We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in possible. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with M-Prize Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory Podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. Coming to you on the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. You can find all of our channels covering all the local teams wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Just search KCSN. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. It's a live Super Bowl Championship edition of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. And Matthew Lane, there was a bit that you carried for an entire year. Uh, post-Super Bowl that I'm hoping that you will get into at some point here. I don't know if you even remember it. Listen, it's a great Monday night to be a fan of the world champion Kansas City Chiefs. The bit (laughs) is never leaving, just like the Chiefs are never leaving. You can get out of here with your fraudulent fraud goals, your (laughs) Buffalo Bills favorites to win, an entire Fox panelist sweeping the board with the Eagles. Get out of here with all of that nonsense. It is the world champion Kansas City Chiefs back on top where they belong, Craig. Maddie, I mean, I listen, I know that technically they're three-time world champions, but we're, we're gonna go, we're gonna go in the immediate history. I think that you've got to say two-time world champs because it's this team it's the same guys it's andy reed it's patrick mahomes it's the same core of dudes oh wait no it's not brett veach turned it all over and they still won the damn super bowl <laughs> it's a great monday night to be a fan of the two-time, two-time. world champs. that's the two-time, two-time world champion kansas city chiefs uh craig me and maddie weren't alive for the first super bowl so that's you know, there's there's that too. So you've seen three. Uh, we 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 still haven't. Thanks everybody watching. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Oh, I I don't we like we don't know where the show's going. We just know that we're gonna celebrate. We're gonna enjoy. We're probably going to give a lot of flowers out. Uh, I'm sorry. Like the whole the whole show might be sticker slaps and spirits where we're just talking guys up. Like there's just so many little things to talk about with this game. You know, I think and, we know where to start, right? We all we all know where to start. I know. Oh, where you, to have start. To, you have to excuse my prop here. It, it's not what it needs to be, but we got to start with the corn dog. I got a mini corn dog <laughs> here. I don't have a full corn dog. I'm disappointed. I just have this little miniature corn dog. But we have to start with the corn dog. I mean, the game winning play, the the wasp of this Super Bowl is called corn dog. <laughs> Andy Reid sits down with Peter King and he tells him that and Peter King just cannot wrap his mind around the concept that this play is called corn dog and that is how this play is called in the huddle I have watched that video no less than 38 times today because it cracks me up every single time when you get to Andy Reid just talking about the corn dog oh we got we got two corn dogs here we got too many corn dogs they ran it twice because they ran it twice Okay, we got the corn dogs. I, I mean, you guys seen the video, correct? Yes. Yes. Oh, 
It's the best. Little it's ketchup, little mustard on a corn dog, nothing better. I mean, <laughs> that's what he said. He doesn't say that in the huddle, though, right? Uh, no, I he hope he does. I hope he does. That's what Andy said. That was the best part was the way Andy just goes, no, he says corn dog. I love love that that's going to go down in history. I've got him over my shoulder here. You can see him up there. There's Jet Chip Wasp on the top. You got 65 power or power trap down below it. I can't wait to have corn dog (laughs) over here. (laughs) How awesome is that? The, the, The signature play is corn dog andy reed is so much fun like i you listen to all these podcasts i've been soaking up all of the national media narratives today from all my favorite x's and o's people and to a person they are just gushing about not just the way that andy reed called the game but that this is kind of a defining moment for him and his legacy yeah of course the stuff in 2019 and winning that first super bowl was so important but as a coach being able to point to this game and being able to point to the way that he called it and made the adjustments and you took advantage of all of the elements of this vaunted philadelphia eagles defense is just a master class and all of them wanted to make sure they came in over the top with also he's the best guy like he's just a genuinely great human and they love the fact that this is happening to this human and the corn dog thing is just an encapsulation of all of that it absolutely is because that's why the players want to play for him that's why they love him so much you got him out here calling the play corn dog in the biggest moment twice in a super bowl and just beating guys wide open it incredible it, it just speaks to the human that andy reed is they picked it up at the first concession stand and by the time they finished it walking to the next one they bought another corn dog like that's, that's why they stagger happened. those buddy that's why they stagger those i the i think the second one was on a third down too or were both third downs i know the second one was and they called it to sky Moore, who apparently was lined up incorrectly uh was it was yeah like there's, there's someone fooled me <laughs> Are they on the so, wrong? Are, are they on so the no, wrong I went side? Back, I, I saw it. Ben Solak had a great breakdown of the Chiefs and how they set this up throughout the game. And earlier, I think it might be on Pacheco's touchdown run. They send Sky Moore in a similar type of motion, but he runs all the way across. He actually runs the jet motion, but it's the same formation, only he's coming from right to left. So I really do wonder if he was supposed to be on the right side. It was supposed to be three by one. They were going to fake the jet sweep like they were going to go to essentially two by two, but he was going to pull back out and he was just on the wrong side. Because you told me that and I was like, man, this play looks really good with him, quote unquote, aligned incorrectly. And I like the small wrinkle of a tighter split. He looked like he was actually running a jet motion, like a run through like they always do. Tony wasn't that close to the under center. So like it was just, they were just enough different that I think it worked twice. Just, I went back and I saw that play. I was like, oh, here's exactly what they were trying to do. And I'm pretty sure it was the Pacheco touchdown run. So he might've been lined up wrong and it still just worked. That's the magic of the corn dog. I, (laughs) it just happens that way. I, I mean, incredible. It's great. Maddie, you alluded to something here. We're just diving right in. I know it's going to be another one of those shows where we're just going to kind of go around the wheel here. How about the the amount of under center that Andy Reid mm-hmm. used, not just in the play, you know, not just in the Super Bowl, but the entire playoffs. This man went from shotgun RPOs to a traditional, you know, drop back offense with Patrick Mahomes under center and it was so advantageous to the run game. Isaiah Pacheco is getting wide open looks with these offensive linemen clear in space, getting to run more traditional run concepts. The RPO didn't go away. Don't get me wrong, but mixing it in and having some of that play action passing, having some of that ability to keep defenses guessing. It's great. We've been asking for stuff like this for a long time. It doesn't have to be all the time. They've got all the cool stuff that they do out of shotgun, all the cool stuff that they do with their RPOs, but just an occasional ability to put Patrick Mahomes under center and say, guess what? We're going to line up and we're going to beat the hell out of you with our physical offensive line as well. 
that counter and that ability to lean on that is incredible. Like that, that was the difference in this game coming out of the half and being able to go under center, being able to rely on the run game, play action passing. It was awesome. It was great to see because that's, that's exactly what this offense needed at that exact moment. And the fact that they practiced it, they worked on it a little bit here and there throughout the season and leaned on it heavily in the playoffs is amazing. And like, it's kind of funny to me because I, I think that Chiefs had run 15 plays in the first 28 minutes of the game, right? Maybe a little bit of a blessing in some ways that they didn't get into everything the way that they planned on as early as they planned on. Like they had the, I mean, they started, just, they just turned around and hand the football off a lot to start the second half. Who knows if they would have started, you know, we would have seen that more in the first half if they had run more plays. Like who knows? All I know is, is we didn't get to see the offense much. What we did see, like, I know there was some criticism of Andy in the first half with the play calling. I had, I don't, I watched, watch it back, man. I don't really have a ton of problems with the play calling. I'll be honest with you. I thought it was really good. I thought there were some really, like, they were hitting some really logical progressions into the, you know, into some of their play action stuff. They went to that play action to Travis Kelsey and it was off some verts and, you know, in the, in the, in the basic by Kelsey or the dig by or over by Kelsey or whatever it was. But then they came back and they ran that screen to Noah Gray mm -hmm. with a three, with a three man vertical out in the route. And then they just dumping the ball to Noah Gray, which honestly, Noah Gray might've got more if he had stayed outside, if he'd not caught a back, lot more. Caught, yeah. If he had caught <laughs> back up in the middle, there was a lot more space to run outside. He might've got more. He might've got the first down and more, but like this offense really, like it, 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 the whole, like honestly, the whole first half was it looked worse than it was, or it, the, the, the results were worse mm -hmm. than I think the process. Like there's so many plays we'll talk about on both sides of the football, I'm sure. But like, I just thought, like that game was a it was a ten point lead for the Eagles, and I know the Chiefs got that that touchdown, that gifted touchdown, you know, with with Jalen Hurts kind of fumbling all over himself. I, that's a that's fine. That's an equalizer to me because I think the Chiefs earned had an, had done enough to earn fourteen points in that first half, no doubt about it. Maybe even a little. I mean, they probably deserved seventeen. They missed the field goal, but mm -hmm. I just like they were just a tick off so many times, and I, I think the play calling was great throughout. Honestly, both sides of the football, I felt pretty good about execution was close and the i think you got to credit the eagles for making some big plays too i mean yeah the the eagles offense especially was was phenomenal in this game i mean the yeah. eagle, the eagles surprised me i mean i think i guess across the board i think the biggest thing that stood out to me was we knew they had players on both sides of the ball and it was kind of the the schematic side of it that i really didn't buy into and you know, part of that was maybe being a little biased and thinking, oh, Steve Spagnuolo is going to be able to turn it up and he's really going to put it on the Eagles offense. Like I'm going on that side of it most specifically. I thought he's going to be able to put it on him and they didn't let him. The, the fact that they were using Jalen Hurts as a runner and not just off the read option, but running so many QB draws or QB counters and stuff like that, that makes it hard to blitz. A couple times early in the first half, the Chiefs actually called a blitz and the Eagles ran Hurts into it. But when you're running Hurts into it, you either A, you get a free blocker out of the running back or B, he goes out into the formation and pulls a second level defender. So if your blitz isn't hitting home, it equals a big game. There was one play where Derek Nottie was zone dropping, never once saw Hurt running. And like, it, it looks bad on film, but what do you want? You want a nose tackle to pedal out 12 yards at an angle, yes. right? Like, yes, he was, <laughs> he was running to the tight end and only to the tight end. and had no he was idea doing his what job. else was going on. No, that's yeah. what he's supposed to do. It just yeah. looks bad. And that's the thing yeah. is like, they just perfectly ran in behind it. It's just, it got really hard for Steve Spagnuolo to do what we all said he needed to do to beat the Eagles, to really put pressure on Jalen Hurts. So I think credit to the Eagles for finding that out. I think it took them their second drive was they had to punt the ball after their second drive. But I think they figured it out there is how the Chiefs are playing. They can't get super exotic. They can't get into all this different stuff if we're going to threaten them with the a QB run, not a read option, but a QB run. Because remember, Bolton swallowed up. It might have even been on that series. He swallowed up a read option. And I think that was part of what I think that was the drive they forced to punt. Mm -hmm. So I just credit to the Eagles for that. Got to give, I mean, every hat tip you can to Jalen Hurts. Some of the throws he was making were phenomenal. I mean, it's the best I've ever seen him throw the football. And I think we all said it. You want to make the Eagles beat you with Jalen Hurts. And by goodness, I mean, they they got close, right? Like that's what they almost did. Boy, so howdy. The Chiefs didn't do anything wrong. The Eagles, especially on offense, just made plays. And they I mean, just simply made plays. That that 
cover two hole shot that he threw to Dallas Goddard was insane. Yes, I know that it got reviewed. You know, the, there was some debate over whether or not it was a catch. They end up ruling it a catch there. What is undeniable about that is that bowl placement was flawless. Like the, the Chiefs played that about as well as you can possibly play that with having the corner sink underneath it, having the safety over the top there. And he just put it right on him. He had another one to Goddard where he put just over Justin Reed, who was in phenomenal coverage. Another one to Goddard over the top of Leo Chanel. His ball placement was fantastic outside of maybe two or three plays. Like that was it. It wasn't one of those games where, you know, he makes four awesome throws and the rest of them are mediocre. It was the it was the polar opposite of that. So yeah, it was pulling teeth for that Eagles offense. It was very difficult for them to move the ball. You're going to look at that stat line and say, oh, it doesn't seem like it. Look at all those things. But every single one of those was contested catches, was difficult. And when you contrast that with the Kansas City Chiefs and how open guys were and how schematically Andy Reid was manipulating those defensive ends, those linebackers, those safeties, and just keeping them guessing all game long. You can just see there. It, it still applied. What we were talking about before the game, the schematics, the X's and O's, it still applied. The difference was the Jimmys and Joes on the Eagles offensive side would just make it just barely enough plays to counteract that. Whereas when the Chiefs offense took the field, they were just throwing wide open dudes for most yeah. of the second half. A couple of things. I the, the margin for air for the Eagles on the offensive side of the football was way slimmer way slimmer way slimmer than the chiefs and i just think about plays <laughs> this one kills me <laughs> the first possession jalen hurt scrambles for a first down legerius sneed tried to use Devonte smith to squeeze jalen hurts to the sideline yes he did and it almost worked yes like, it did almost just like it's just like these razor thin moments for this team where it was just like just to take off the eagles had to play their best version of their of their offense. And I like honestly, I think that was the best version of this offense. Like I don't think they could have done anything better. Jalen Hurts was on one for most of the game. The funny thing is I think the AJ Brown touchdown down the field might have been one of his worst throws. Like that there was so many other big throws there. That one was just I think just AJ Brown like making a phenomenal play and adjustment. He was kind of late on that one. But like I just like there's just so many little small Chiefs were so close to getting off the field. They were just a tick off getting on the off the field. Just almost squeezing Jalen Hurts to the sideline. Almost making a tackle here. Alio Chanel's in perfect coverage on Dallas Goddard and he gets mossed. Like from the ground. But you know, you get the point. It's like just like these just so these small little things just just were were going the Eagles way. And I think that showed up when the when the when the results were all said and done. The Chiefs, on the other hand, no resistance. Like just just very little resistance the entirety of the day. You can make arg we can make arguments about some of the possessions and how they ended. One was a self-inflicted error getting behind the sticks by Orlando Brown. The other one, if we're gonna talk about pass interference calls and all this stuff, Juju got passenger Ju Juju got straight turned, grabbed and turned on third down, and they didn't call it. So I just, you know. I just like it was it was not hard on the Chiefs to put the ball down the field and it felt like the Eagles were always just operating on thin margins and just it was coming up Eagles every single time. That's why you, you're right. You got to give a ton of credit to the Eagles. Yeah, it you know, I get what you're saying. I do think they were very small margins, but we're talking about the Super Bowl. So like you're talking about the best small teams, margins I think anyway. <laughs> I expect them to go out there and play the best football that you're going to see all year. I know it doesn't always play out like that, but like that's kind of my expectation. I think going into the Super Bowl is I'm about to watch the best quarterback versus one of the best defenses or the best quarterback versus, oh, well, I guess the runner up in the MVP. Like that should have been the expectation anyway. So it shouldn't be surprising that the Eagles had these very slim margins. I don't think it's surprising that Andy Reid absolutely ran circles around Gannon. I mean, like on the Chiefs side of it, like I think. That was another thing that we all kind of talked about. We expected here's this defensive coordinator doesn't adjust really well during the year. He kind of, he Bob Sutton's it. Okay. Let's just call a spade a spade. He goes out there and Bob Sutton's it. And like with the chiefs, it worked for a while. It didn't always look pretty, but it worked. You got high sack years, high turnover years. You just say, my guys are better than yours. So 
He's out there Bob Suttoning it. And guess what? When you run into a really good offensive mind that has a really good quarterback, it kind of beats the brakes off of it. Ask Bob Sutton how it went when he played the New England Patriots every time, mm-hmm. right? Like, there was a very clear kryptonite Broncos. to it. That's Peyton what Broncos. happened. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that's what happened to the Eagles here. Like that's what so like we I think we expected that side. I sh- we ex- should have expected more out of the Eagles offense because they were a Super Bowl team. Yeah. They got there. Maybe the path wasn't the hardest. Maybe you could poke holes. And like Kent said, you play this game again, Jalen Hurts probably doesn't make all of those throws, all of those plays. There's probably a few that get left out there that change the game a little bit. But all in all, I think we should have kind of expected them to play really well. Final thing on the coaching for me here, Shane Steichen called a really good game, has really developed this offense into what it is, leaning into the strengths of his players. You got to see that. Yeah, it was tough, but Shane Steichen made those guys. They He maximized those guys. There is a reason why he is going to the Indianapolis Colts right now why Jonathan Gannon is going to interview with the Arizona Cardinals for their head coaching job and the guy that was walking on the field around with Andy Reid's arm around him through the scrum, Andy Reid putting him front and center, why he's not, is beyond me. Give Eric Bieniemy a job already. Reportedly, he is the reason why they were running Corn Dog. He was the one that's sitting there watching What's happening in the Eagles Jaguars game? Do you think Eric, Doug Peterson called his boys no, and just told them? I think no, I think that Eric Bieniemy saw it and called Doug. And then Doug was like, Hey, yeah, we saw that too. And they leaned on it, but they gave full credit to EB for that sticking one. Sticking it to the team that fired him. Yeah, sticking it to the team that fired him. I just I loved it. I thought it was great. Eric Bieniemy deserves these interviews, deserves this guy head coaching job. The fact that he still doesn't have one is beyond me. Let's hear from Tucker D. Franklin about AG1. You're listening to the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. Folks, i got to tell you about today's sponsor, and that is Athletic Greens. I've been taking AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day, and I gave it a try because I wanted to get that better gut health. I wanted to uh, have the sustained energy. you got to support the immune system, especially this time of the year. And I hated taking all those pills and vitamins to actually get all those supplements. And it tastes great as well. I take it in the morning before I start my day, before I make that cup of coffee. And it makes me feel ready to take on everything that we've got going on here at KCSN. And you know, all great athletes take care of their body. I'm not the same kind of athlete as Patrick Mahomes, but I still like to take care of my body. And that's when I've been going to AG1. That's why I'm a huge fan. You get all that nutrition in just one little cup. It's it's a great, it's great for long-term gut health support as well with 75 high-quality ingredients that give me key daily nutrients. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplemental routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash KCSN. That's athleticgreens.com slash KCSN. Check it out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Tucker, give yourself some credit. You're a great athlete. Great Uh, athlete. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button if you're for watching. For good health. Yeah, for good health. Exactly. This is that's how you should close every single one of these. It's just, it's a good health. 
Uh, hit the like button though. Hit, please hit the subscribe button too. Uh, we are not done yet at KC Sports Network. We will have unmatched draft coverage all year, uh, all you know, all through the draft process. We have all kinds of incredible shows we haven't announced with maybe some voices you haven't heard from. Uh, we're going to be doing all kinds of draft content as well. Uh, we will be in full swing of things before you all even know it. So make sure you hit that subscribe button so you can get all the content that we're going to have running out here. Matthew, I'm going to give you the floor and you just oh, take gosh. us wherever you want to go next because I kind of had my chance. I, you, you get your chance. Go off, King. Oh, no, I wasn't prepared for this. Oh, my. Um, you, okay, well, I, I, can, no. I can come up with something if you want. No, I mean, I, I got something. I mean, okay. I, I was going to say this for the end of the show, but I think this is a good spot to put it in there because uh, it really really stood out to me re-watching this game today. Um, I was re-watching it in spurts. That field was so incredibly mm. bad. <laughs> I really don't know how much of a read that you can take away from a lot of the stuff that happened. Like at the end of the day, the chiefs won a super bowl, both teams play on the same garbage field. So it is what it is. Right. But I'm going back and watching it. And from the very first series, will it take Willie Gay, for example, the man couldn't play on this field. He moves too fast and too wildly. There's nothing he could do on the field. Think of all the times he's coming out here missing tackles. He can't come to balance on a normal field, on a good field, half the time. You put him out there on this field, it was terrible. And like uh, Justin Reed had a chance to get an interception. I believe it was on the Dallas Goddard or the tight end catch yep. in the first quarter. Mm -hmm. He slipped, kind of come out of his breaks. He didn't even get a chance to go for it. Like, it was just bad all around. And same thing for the Eagles. I went back and watched their... We gave a lot of credit to the Chiefs offensive tackles, and they still played good. There was a whole lot of slipping from those fast edge rushers. A I'll whole, take it. <laughs> whole lot of slipping. Now, I don't. I'm not saying they were winning the rep. I'm just don't saying that there was a whole lot of slipping. Right. <laughs> so like, the field was really bad. I do think it really it left a mark on the game. I will say like I feel good as a Chiefs fan saying, hey, look, here's the plays where I know it bothered the Chiefs. Here's some plays where I know it helped the Chiefs. So like you know, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme. But boy, that field was bad. You guys remember the one that Frank Clark was unblocked and Jalen Hurts was able to kind of spin out oh, and around and I get off of that? More on that too. Yeah. Guess what? Frank Clark lost his footing trying to get off the line and eats it. Both feet slide out from under him. You want to tell me that Frank Clark unblocked with the way that he's been moving doesn't get a hand on Jalen Hurts with his back turned to Clark? I think he does on that play. So, yes, it definitely affected both teams. It was definitely an instance where – that field, take them away from Arizona at this point because the field killed you know, several players throughout the Sad year. Father. It was awful. And then now all of a sudden you give this team or this That's stadium uh, <laughs> a grass field to play a Super Bowl on. And all any of the players can talk about was, yeah, that was really crappy. We don't want to ever play on something like that again. It sucks. It sucks that that helped. Now, obviously, it didn't slow down the offenses that much. They were still scoring plenty, but it sucks that you had to see that so often in so many plays that were left out there because guys didn't have their foot. Well, it's just about being the the person that is initiating the action versus reacting. I mean, that's mm -hmm. why both defenses were struggling. It's, it's just like playing in the rain. As long as you know what you're doing, as long as you know what your next movement is going to be, it's fine to play in the ring. Yeah, you might slip from time to time, but you know what's coming. As soon as a defender or somebody has to react, it gets hard. So it's just, it, it was gross to watch. It's two years spent, $800,000 spent to try to create this perfect, beautiful field on an experimental strain of, gr of grass that they've never Golf used grass. on a football field before. Uh, maybe that's why my, maybe that's why my golf game is not any good. No, <laughs> that <laughs> ain't it. <laughs> I do have real, I do have real stuff after my field. Yeah, so do I. Here. Uh, <laughs> go fine. Yeah. Unless you have more field takes, but if not, I'm, I'm going to talk about Patrick LeVon Mahomes for you. So like, are we, are we cool with that? Kent? I guess. So going back and rewatching this, I mean, Patrick Mahomes was great. He was phenomenal. He was the second most like efficient quarterback display in a Super Bowl, like ever something like that behind Drew Brees. It was, it was an outstanding performance while a lot of it was throwing to open players and just reading things out the right way. There's still a skill to that. I don't think that the Mahomes in the past few years wins this game. I really don't. I think that he tries to push the ball a little too much. He tries to force it. His stat line looks a lot better if, MVS runs to the right spot or turns over the right shoulder on one of those plays. And the chiefs offense looks a lot better if that happens too. But with the most impressive thing that I think he did in this entire game. And again, the field notwithstanding, it might've helped. He was 
short in the pocket. He was getting to his spots a lot earlier. He was getting his steps down a lot earlier, hitting that back foot, and either the ball's coming out or he's moving forward again. And that's not something Mahomes usually does. When he hits the back of his drop, he's okay hanging out there. He's okay drifting back an extra step or two if he needs to buy a second. Not in this game. He was stepping up as soon as he hit the back of the drop. It was clean. It was crisp. He hits his mark, you know, whatever you want to say, at the end of the five-step, seven-step drop. He's immediately moving forward again. It's like he shortened everything up knowing that Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick can beat his tackles up the arc. So he was shortening everything he did up, and that was allowing the ball to come out on time. He was never under pressure, really. And these moments, the only time where he ever really got under pressure was, guess what? When the, the like two plays, the interior did get somebody got beat up the middle. I think one play, Trey Smith got beat while Tooney got shoved into his lap, right? That was like one of the only times he got pressured was because the interior finally gave. I just, I thought the way he played in the pocket, especially on an injured ankle and against the opponent, showed a really good understanding of the situation of the game, who he was going up against and how he had to change his game to execute it. I, I think there's going to be a lot of narratives that come out of this game about the uh, the yards and everything like that. And Mahomes didn't put up gaudy stats. Why does he win the MVP for all that? He's just throwing to wide open guys and all that. You know, you can you can try and make that take. The man was the MVP for a reason, though. Like, just go back and watch literally any other game. Go back and watch the Bengals game. The, you know, two weeks before. Go back and watch some of those games to close out the year where he is just so dominant in everything and because Andy Reid gets out the absolute best possible game script that he possibly can because it's the Super Bowl and you can't hold anything back that's what happens now all of a sudden you look at Patrick Mahomes it's like well he's he's out here and he's he's throwing to wide open guys and it's just easy for him yeah yeah, because it was hard on him for most of the year, and he was still damn near flawless. So coming out, having one incompletion on a throwaway in the second half and being that laser-focused and just the ability to do that on one leg or you know one and a half legs, who knows what that man was on after halftime, but what he was able to do with that inside that offense made it so flawless so you know i, I don't want to hear any of that oh Mahomes didn't play that well in the super bowl stuff because of andy and yada 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 man just go back earlier in the year it's about time he got some of those wide open looks to throw to well he earned the right to he's shown <laughs> he's done everything he's taken every test that every kind of decent defense is thrown at him and the byproduct is you have to live with him torching you some way somehow in some form or fashion that's the reality of, of what Patrick Mahomes has done. They've tried a lot of different things to take stuff away from him. They, you know, he was torching the field and you know, torching the you know teams down the field, started taking that stuff away, had some inconsistencies in recent years underneath where some, you know, and some other guys have let him down. He just started torching teams from underneath. And some of the throws that I, the thing is there's some, the like, yes, Jalen Hurts had some ridiculous throws. So did Patrick Mahomes. Like I could, I could tell something was different, and I, I had a good feeling about Mahomes. The like one of the first, like I think the first completion to Kelsey, where there's like, like if you're watching on air, the like literal distance between me and Craig right now, uh, on camera, it just he dotted a ball in between, you know, over the shoulder of a defender on an absolute rope, which was just a complete trust throw to Travis Kelsey because that was a laser. If he doesn't catch that, that ball is tipped up in the air and caught by somebody. Actually, it may not have got caught. It was getting thrown with that kind of velocity that it may not have. Like, that was just, like, he was just on an absolute dot. I think about the throw where he's, like, you know, almost about to fall and he throws that low throw to Travis Kelsey. Like, but even, like, the, even the simple stuff. Like, he was throwing with, a, with an inconsistent base. He was doing some stuff with an inconsistent base. That was just really, really impressive. And so, I don't know. Like, I... He he definitely had some easy throws that he got. Don't get me wrong, but that man was dialed in on every opportunity. And one more thing, when I, we're talking about this, um, I saw I saw uh, a stat from somebody, uh, TJ Seth, maybe I think is his name. Uh, yes, the handle is Tej T E J F B Analytics. Okay, I have it pulled up because I wanted to chime back in with it. So this is good. Uh, go for it, Matthew. I, I hope we're talking about the same one. Uh, in the second half, the Chiefs, given their field position, had the potential to gain 230 yards. 
they gained 221 yards. <laughs> and if you remember right, Jarek McKinnon went down on his own accord at the two-yard line before the Chiefs lost seven yards via kneeling to run the clock out. They literally got every single yard they possibly could have in the second half. They legitimately could not have done any better in the second half if they wanted to. If they chose to not, if McKinnon chose not to go down, they would have had the literal perfect half. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. And I, 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 it, I mean, they just, anything they wanted, they ran the ball with great success. They threw the ball with great success. They just got into a little bit of a rhythm. All they needed was a little bit of rhythm and they got it. And it just like, it just didn't feel like they, they scored too quickly. The first possession, the Eagles kept restricting the ball, holding the ball on the time of possession was insane in the first half, you know, like that was just like, that was just all crazy. You are listening to Casey sports network. Your home for the best coverage on your favorite local teams. Whether you're a Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, KC Current, K-State, KU, or Mizzou fan, we've got you covered. Find KCSN on your favorite podcast platform. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Um, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, please. Uh, if you are watching, appreciate everybody that's been hanging out with us. It's been a lot of fun. We're celebrating yet another uh, Chiefs Super Bowl here. Uh, I don't know when we're going to stop celebrating this one, when we're going to be, you know, like I don't know how long all of these conversations are going to extend into the offseason, but I'm sure we're going to have these moments where we're just bringing this stuff up again. I don't think anybody's really going to care. Um, next, where where you want to go next, Maddie? Craig's not here, so I think we just stick to offense, the fun side of the ball. That's good. Um, Isaiah Pacheco. I, we talked about him a lot on the post-game show, right? But like just going back and watching it, he still does some stuff as a as a running back that that you don't always want. He he takes some wrong angles. He takes he picks the wrong hole at times, but it's so hard to be upset with him when you see a guy that goes from zero to one hundred miles an hour every time he touches the ball, as soon as he sees space and I mean, even when he chooses wrong, it still usually gets in nets a couple yards. And it's just a lot of fun watching him go crash into guys. Like, I think he, I mentioned it last night, just watching it again. He is what the Chiefs need as a running back, just being so aggressive, so downhill and physical to make defenses pay for trying to go light. The Eagles a couple times tried to go, they tried to do something different. They tried to go five down, but then kind of play like, uh, I, I guess, not really a dime. Like I, they stayed in a nickel, but they only had one line, real true off ball linebacker on the field. Every time they did and Pacheco got the ball, he made them pay because they didn't have anybody flowing with it. And as soon as he sees daylight, he is sprinting through that gap. He's so hard to bring down. So I could not be more impressed with this guy that we knew was going to be good. We knew he was going to have a chance in the NFL to come in and make an impact. Nobody would have thought he was going to be as good as he has been down the stretch. He gives you the perfect blend of Spencer Ware's physicality, but then comparing that with Damian Wilson, Damian Williams' ability to actually have the breakaway play. He merges kind of those two things together as he gets more time and gets more comfortable seeing the field and picking and choosing his hole. Whoo, that's that's going to be something. I could not agree more. So many, a couple of things. Brett Veach said in his pre-draft presser that us, you know, day three pick day three running back was going to have a thousand yards rushing. Uh, was going to be a thousand yard rusher last night. 
Isaiah Pacheco went over a thousand rushing yards for the season. Yeah, and I know he got a couple extra games, but his usage went up significantly seven games into the season. He wasn't used as heavily in the first six games. So he deal with it. That man broke a thousand yards rushing in his rookie year. And I just I he hasn't fumbled. He hasn't put the ball on the ground since week I, I'm trying to I'm thinking week 14 against Houston. So he went six straight games without putting the ball on the ground, I believe. And he ran with just that that violence and that physicality. But the thing, like, he got hit late in the game, right on his right on his right on his arm, and I and right on his wrist. And that might have been the wrist that he that he hurt that he's been dealing with. Held on to the football, the physicality, the violence, the explosiveness. Uh, the ball security's been good when they've needed him the most. Just so many positive indicators for Isaiah Pacheco. And yeah, like he's not the most perfect. He doesn't have the most perfect vision, but he fails fast when he does, you know, and, and like, that's yep. just, that's something that, that, that you, you, you don't, you know, like there's not a ton of negative runs. The really the only negative runs that you'll see is if he gets strung to the sideline, which is kind of surprising because he's got good long speed and burst, but sometimes he'll get, when he gets strung out, he'll, he'll actually, you know, he'll actually get, get tripped up from time to time. But I mean, that dude is exactly what this football team needs. And I mean, I, I, there, we don't need to have a lot of off-season con, you know, discussion right now. There's a first-round running back who's uh, whose options up here, uh, pretty quick. So uh, I, I don't think he's. I don't think Clyde Edwards-Helaire is entering next season as running back one next year. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, yeah, I think the Chiefs are in a good spot with the running back because Pacheco seems like a guy that can be RB one. You can bring back, I would assume, Jarek McKinnon without breaking the bank because he did just hit free agency. You brought him back late if you were the Chiefs. I will say, watching the Super Bowl, I don't want to take anything away from Jarek McKinnon because I think he's been super important to what the Chiefs have done. It looks like there's a little... The juice, whatever juice he's had left is leaving. There's a couple times where it's just... He's clearly not the same athlete as before all the injuries, but he also doesn't look like the same athlete that you saw during the stretches of last year, right before the playoffs or going to the playoffs, or even in the middle of this year where he was starting to get some more run. Just the wear and tear seems like it's taking hold on his body. So maybe the Chiefs still look to add another body to this room to go with Pacheco. So I mean, the way the guy plays, I don't know if he's ever going to be a guy that's going to be out there for 70%, 60% of the snaps. He just, he is reckless with his body and we love him for it but he's just reckless with his body right now. And so, you know, maybe they will meet another guy, but the running back room was strong. We, I think we kind of touched on everybody else. I don't, you got any other offensive things that uh, jump out to you before we do have to talk a little about the defense. One quick thing uh, I did see kind of speak into the running back uh, situation as well. Let me see if I can pull it up really quick. Jarek McKinnon did out snap Isaiah Pacheco too. Uh, 55% yeah. of the snacks for Jarek McKinnon, 47 for Isaiah Pacheco. But I do agree like, the offensive production for McKinnon is it looks he, he did he did look like he was slowing down. This is going to sound weird. Um, this is going to sound like a weird statement. I whatever Jarek McKinnon's situation is next year, maybe maybe he's a guy that they stashed on the practice squad for a large stretch of the year if he wants to keep playing and then just hold on to him toward the home stretch as a guy that try to help keep his body fresh. He's on the wrong side of thirty. You know, maybe he's able to get paid somewhere. Uh, that's something to keep an eye on is like you can find find a way to load management and maybe try to get him involved late in the season. Um, just just as a as a thought next year. I mean, we're like, look, we, it's February. The, the, the Super Bowl is yesterday. We're not trying to get too down down the rabbit hole there. But it is interesting. McKinnon was on the field a little bit more than Pacheco from a snap count perspective. I think it makes sense for helping with protection and yeah. you're dealing with the receiving game. It's just when he did get the ball, there was just a cut, even, even the good plays, even when they used him as the, as the up back on the little with sky Moore in the backfield. And he took the handoff. It, he comes out of the handoff looking good, but then you can just kind of see once he hits the open field, you don't really expect him to make anyone miss. That's the way he runs to me as a guy that he is going to go down when that first contact gets there. And that's, I, I don't mean to be negative. It's just, I noticed it when watching, I was like, man, some of these plays, if that was, I was like, if that's Pacheco, that's five, 10 more yards every single time. I, I understand what he does and you would have a hard time replacing him. So I like your idea of stashing him, maybe having him just be your third running back that isn't playing a lot of snaps throughout the year. I don't know. It's just, it, it jumped out to me, the difference between the two and how dangerous they seem in the open field. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Appreciate everybody that's hanging out with us right now. Just, uh, Quick housekeeping. If you are listening to the audio only version of this and you're wondering where Craig went, uh, he's fine. <laughs> he's alive and well. 
Uh, it's just having some technical issues. He's trying to work out. Uh, we'll I'm try to get him. We'll try to get him back on. Yeah. Craig with the technical issues. That's normally a Maddie problem. Couldn't be me. Maddie's are normally just like, have you tried charging your computer? I don't know. Um, plug it charging in. Charging my desktop. Plug Got it in, it. Matthew. I don't know. Just, <laughs> just figure it out. But, uh, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Do appreciate everybody hanging out. We can move to the defensive side of the ball. I don't think that I, I, I watching the game back when we talked a little bit that's about the top, man, I, I don't think the defense was too far off on the back seven. Obviously, I think you would like to see a little bit more pass rush, but I, they were just like so close to making so many plays throughout that game. I thought and just like some little things here and there. They were they were constantly in the right positions. Just guys weren't quite making the right place. And, you know, look, I love Trent McDuffie. I think he's had a phenomenal year. They definitely don't beat the Bengals without him and his tackling ability. He even made some really great plays in this game. I love Trent McDuffie. Go spend all offseason fielding fly balls. Go hang out with the Royals and literally just field fly balls all offseason long because that's the only thing. That's the only thing. He's back. Let's go. That's the We're talking about Trent thing. McDuffie, Craig. We're talking about Trent McDuffie. <laughs> We're talking about Trent McDuffie needing to spend all offseason fielding uh, fly balls. Uh, just, you know, we need to work on the tracking a little bit. There's been a few times this year where he definitely has lost the ball is having to flip his head over his shoulders. And I think that makes sense. If you think back to him at Washington and stuff like that, that wasn't where he was usually challenged. It was usually eyes already on the ball coming downhill, stuff like that. So that's not to say anything bad about him. It's just, they were in positions. He was in position. Juan Thornhill was in position. Legarius Sneed was in position on that uh, whole shot to Dallas Goddard. They had guys in the right spots just guys weren't quite making the plays in this game. So I don't think the defensive game planning was bad. I thought they did a pretty good job versus yeah. a team that had some good answers for them. I think, I mean, we are talking the difference of inches for this defense looking really good. And it was just mm -hmm. a couple guys here and there stepping up. The only guy that really stepped up and made that play was Nick Bolt. And no, everybody else was kind of struggling to step up and make the big plays and it mattered besides him. So not a bad thing. It's just something to you know, look at and say, okay, moving forward, they can be even better. Oh yeah. Yeah, they left a lot of plays on the field. Like they they really did. These young DBs have a lot of room to grow. We expected that. I mean, honestly, that they, they played so much better than any of us would have guessed that they oh, yeah. as a unit would play. So the fact that we're talking about them in a Super Bowl and it's like, man, you know, if he comes out of his break and he tracks that ball a little bit better, or man, if this guy does something just a little bit better, like that's insane. That's insane to be talking about here because this Chiefs defense in the past has relied on so many elements that were veterans or guys that have been around a long time, relying on Tyron Matthew to make sure that everybody was lined up in the right spot. And, you know, if a guy went out, there was a little bit of an adjustment period because you weren't able to kind of lean on some of the staples that you'd ran before and Tyron had to kind of sort everything out. Now, all of a sudden, you are actively rotating Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams in a Super Bowl. Like, it wasn't just, hey, we're going to go with the hot guy. We're going to keep playing what we were playing. It was, hey, we're going to try this guy out against these concepts. We're going to try this guy out. And both of them played pretty damn well they really yeah. did so i mean they like, both made great open field tackles absolutely. I think, I, I, both of them might have been on screens or you know, i think actually Jalen or josh williams was just a run fit but jo Jalen watson made a great tackle on a screenplay and a great play id like they just both had great they had sorry continue oh, yeah they no, great, I, great I was really pleased with them that's basically it like you're leaning on so many young bodies in a super bowl and they did play pretty well all things considered, it is only going to get better from here. They're going to get a full offseason of an NFL camp and all of the good things that come with that NFL nutrition, strength, training, all of that. That's all coming. And they're going to grow as players, as people do. They're not going to be scared of the speed of the game anymore. Not that they ever really were. These guys didn't seem like they were, but they played up to the competition year or week after week all year long what's going to happen now when they feel a little more comfortable and they can run some more of the exotic stuff and they can rotate a little bit try and play some of these trap coverages try and be physical try and rotate into stuff that they're not used to doing that's what's going to evolve from this but what we know is if you need to put them in two man 
they're going to do it. And they're going to play pretty well doing it across the board, all on rookie contracts. It's insane. Three more years of all of them. Holy cow. Three more man. years of all of them. Oh, and by did the you, way, Legarius Needs still here. Yeah, for another <laughs> year at minimum. Do you did you see them? Oh my god. Did you see him slot drop Trent McDuffie on the first play of the game? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, and then he came and then he came down and made the play and actually forced yes, a fumble on Miles Sanders. Like I just Listen, saw that. I just, that was funny to me. I don't know why. I small corner, but Buddy plays Buddy plays good at the point yeah. of contact. He was and he had his moments, but it wasn't like he was devoid of good plays in that game either. He just had some really low he probably had the, the most low lights of anybody, I think, on the defensive side of the, in the back seven Trent did, but he still had some plays that he made, you know, and some good tackles. He's still good. He's still good. It's just there's some rough moments. There's just some rough I, moments for him. He made some great reads. I actually thought out of the slot watching it back. There was a lot of crossers and stuff that he was glued to Devontae Smith's hip. The, Devonta Smith's like target share when he's lined up in the slot is something ridiculous, like 70%. And when they had McDuffie in there playing man or when it distributed his way, he was all over. It's like, he still played well. It's just the tracking the ball vertically. That's the only thing. Tracking the ball vertically is the only thing. He'll get there. Uh, you mentioned Sneed. Going back and watching the almost fumble, like his hit, not only was that play amazing to drop off of his man, come up and make that huge hit force fumble, he got up. And he ran downfield, and he actually put down Jason Kelsey, too, while Bolt was running into the end zone. Now, I mean, like, it's a big guy running. It doesn't take a lot to always knock over a lineman. Then, but, like, he got up off the ground after forcing that fumble, ran down the play, and went and hit the only offensive lineman that may have had a chance to catch Bolt. I just I thought that was super impressive, just the whole play there from the top to bottom from him. Absolutely. Uh Quick question for both of you. Uh, how big of a springboard of confidence is that game for Leo Chanel for 2023? Oh, my goodness. I, uh, Maddie said it in the postgame. Play him at Mike. Play play <laughs> Nick Bolton at the will when they're in those roles. I just love what they can do, I, especially since you know, you've got, you got Leo that likes to mug that A-gap and stack a guard. I mean, it, he loves to do that. So it, it's not so a, good at it. He's so good at it. I was he just really like, is. I think like that was there. That was one of like, hey, like, look, Leo Chanel was in for 25% of the plays or 33% of the plays. It was a low percentage. But just watching him fit a run, like this, the, 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 the outside of Jalen Hurts, the run offense for the Eagles was not good. Leo Chanel was a curveball that they hadn't seen much of that they threw at the Philadelphia Eagles in a bigger chunk. And he played well. Like he played well. He bought Jason Kelsey a couple times. He was he was just an absolute factor out there. It was so fun to watch that. And getting that moment for that guy who's kind of one of the unsung draft pick draft picks, which isn't hard to do because this draft class is so <laughs> insane. Like just getting to see a guy like that who's going to have a bigger role in 2023, just getting that opportunity and that kind of confidence in the Super Bowl. Like, come on, man. Boy, what a... All right, well, let's do it. What a what a weird turn for uh, the Spags haters down the stretch this year. Just from top to bottom, from the he sucks and can't do his job to watching the performance of this defense down the stretch and in the playoffs, and even in this game. I mean, like we said... I don't know. I don't really think you can come at Spags for some of the plays they gave up in this game. It was just great plays or a lack of great plays or plays being made by the Chiefs players on the field. But not only does he go out there and show you, okay, I can still out coach just about any offensive coach across from me. Watch this. Not only will he do that. Oh, guess what else he's going to do? He's going to change. Just like you guys have been crying about all <laughs> year long. He's going to make changes. Guess who you didn't see come in this game? Darius Harris. Well, guess I what? Okay. He played the last snap. He was rushing okay. the passer. It's like Colin playing Mike the linebacker yeah, yeah. against the Denver Broncos. But he doesn't ago. come in. And all of a sudden, you get Leo Chanel out here playing as the Mike linebacker, replacing you know the spot of your team captain, the guy that is considered the leader of this team on that second level, or even on the whole back seven. And they're just they're just moving him over, but they put Leo Chanel in there. All of a sudden, no more Darius Harris. You're putting in a rookie. Brian Cook's reps started to increase. They... I'm not saying Spags had the power, but like, you know, if he really needed or wanted Rashad Fenton, he would have still been in Kansas City. He had to at least be cordial with the move to have Fenton go out there. They're just, it is absolutely insane how upset people got at Steve Spagnuolo all year to have to put the biggest foot in their mouth here at the end of this. 
Absolutely. I mean, listen, <laughs> playoffs bags is a monster. Like I, he's insane. I, I know I've been saying it every podcast <laughs> that we've been doing lately, but seriously, he deserves to be in the hall of fame for his postseason stuff. Now this isn't going to make his highlight reel because Jalen hurts and Dallas Goddard and AJ Brown were just insane. They, they really were. And they were making things that shouldn't happen, happen. But the reason why it was so difficult and the reason why it was so spectacular was because Spags had them all over the place. Like they, they were glued to guys. There were not open runners. There were not easy elements of this. We can go back to the Bengals game the week, two weeks before. He had Joe Burrow in a blender. Mm. The week before that, Trevor Lawrence didn't know what hit him. There throughout the back half of the year, Steve Spagnolo once again got better, got more exotic, and got to get into stuff that he wanted to get into. And this time it was with a whole bunch of young guys, a corner that is not just outside of typical spag size, but typical NFL size, you know, going round one especially. And then a bunch of guys on the defensive line, he's having to rely a little bit more on interior pressure versus exterior pressure. He's not blitzing as much. This was... This was a tiger changing his stripes. It really was. And Steve Spagnuolo had to do things differently this season. And yet he still adapted. He still found ways around the, the problems that offenses presented him. And he was still elite in the postseason. Again, that man wants to stick around and keep coaching. I don't know what his contract status is come March. But if he still wants to stick around, if he's not retiring, not willing to hang it up, there is nobody better in January and February than Steve Spagnolo And guys, get used to it. Kansas City is always going to be playing in January and February. So why not get the guy who's best then to lead your defense? Hit that like button, please. Hit that subscribe button. Everybody that's hanging out watching right now, appreciate everybody. Um, if, you, if you're new to the channel, uh, we have all kinds of shows. I think we have like 10 different shows every week during the offseason. We will have all kinds of cheese content, unbelievable amounts of draft content on this channel starting next week. Uh, so make sure you are tuning in. Hit that subscribe button. Make sure you're locked on. It is stickers, slaps, and spirits time. We're handing them out. Uh, game ball in the comment section. So leave some comments for someone that you want to get the game ball. I will lead with helmet stickers. I I have two. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Maddie it. Frank Clark, I just want to give a shout out. I'm so happy for him. Mm -hmm. Just so happy for him. As much as he's been through, a bunch of people thought he was trying to help his teammates get better during training camp on camera just to, just to save face. How about that? You glad he helped now? <laughs> you glad he was a leader and wasn't doing it just for attention? You think that? I'm glad he's on my football team. I'm glad he was here this week. I'm glad he was here this year. Deal with it. Get him. That just mm, that insane. He was so emotional after so, the game. Mm, I've mm. seen so many people. Sorry, this is gonna get ranty. I've seen so many people that were running their mouth about Frank telling these weird, lame, cheap jokes that weren't funny to chase clout. We're chasing clout with Frank Clark's name in their mouth on social media during the playoffs, just making a 180. Just completely flipping on its head. Just chasing clout on the man they were dunking on all offseason, all summer. Because he was trying to get attention. Sure he was. No, he was trying to help his football team get better. That man cares. That man cares more than you care about anything in your life. And he put everything on the line for his football team. He helped his young teammates get better. And he's part of the reason that this team's Super Bowl champions. So I hope you enjoyed your clout. That man was part of why this team Got better throughout the season. You're welcome, haters. Secondly, I am so happy for Juan Thornhill. I am so happy that yeah. Juan Thornhill got to play in the Super Bowl because he was a big piece of that team that played a couple years ago, and he wound up, you know, not getting to play in that game, finally gets to play in the Super Bowl and win it. And I'm so happy for that guy. That I'm just glad he got to he got to he got to win a Super Bowl. So stickers for Frank Clark, stickers for the haters, I guess. No stickers for the haters, and uh, a helmet sticker for Juan Thornhill. Oh, I love that we're doubling up on butt slaps. Let's go. 
One butt slap for Sky Moore. Finally gets in the end zone as a rookie. I think it was huge. I mean, you could see the excitement. I'm sure the Super Bowl was part of it, but you could just see that it was entirely just like a, everything was just off of his chest. You know, rough year to start trying to return punts. I think it was huge in the AFC Championship game that he had to step in and had some good returns there, albeit one of them was called back but has the huge return to help set up that game. He comes in, yeah, it's wide open, but he gets this play in there for the Chiefs, for the touchdown. You could see the energy. It's just, he clearly was fighting through all of the ups and downs of the year, and you could see it. He was wearing that emotion, and the talent, I think, is evident. There's just clearly still a step to be made to be where he's ready to plug and play into this offense in multiple spots. Just seeing him make those steps, get in the end zone, be a, a real part of the AFC Championship win, and the Super Bowl win, I think that is huge for him. Talk about building up confidence, so that's big. And let's go with his wide receiver mate, Kadarius Toney, coming over from the New York Giants midseason. He doesn't want to play there, can't get on the field there, is injured, comes to Kansas City. All of a sudden, that leg seems to feel pretty good, yeah? It gets dinged up every now and then. He might only play eight snaps in the game, but man, is there any player that plays less snaps than Kadarius Toney where every single one of them is felt? I mean, literally Every single snap, no matter how few he's out there, you feel the impact, whether it's smartly fielding a punt that may have touched Marcus Kemp after he tried to call him off, whether it's catching a wide open touchdown, bringing all of the defenders his way on a fake bubble so that Juju can catch a little route down the sideline, or finally the best punt return in Super Bowl history where he <laughs> runs the coverage away from where the punt block is set up, doubles back across the field, almost returns it into the end zone, just exceptional performance from him, even in limited stats. I'm so excited to see what Tony and Moore can do next year in this offseason or offense with an offseason to get going and see where they can really insert themselves. I think both those guys got to be on cloud nine right now. Well, I guess I got to give out a whole lot of vodka then. <laughs> uh -oh. First whole ass bottle of vodka goes to Andrew Wiley. In 2017, Andrew Wiley went undrafted. He bounced around on practice squads all season long kansas city chiefs pick him up in january of 2018 he starts 10 games for the chiefs in 2018 starts 11 straight games for the chiefs in 2019 gets a high ankle sprain does not get to play in the postseason at all does not get to play in a super bowl comes back strong the next year gets to play in that one gets to play in the postseason playing right guard that season oh yeah a whole bunch of bad stuff happens in the postseason he ends up having to start at right tackle in that game and frankly both of those tackles got beat badly by that tampa bay buccaneers team misses out on a super bowl last year because they didn't go to it andrew wiley shows up and plays the game of his life in a super bowl and gets to wear that ring so proudly i am so happy for that man yes the ring in 2019 is super legitimate it absolutely is and he should wear that one proud too but he gets to point back to this performance and say that one that super bowl performance for against the bucks in 2020 2021 does not define me i am not that player i am this player against the best pass rush in the nfl this year shut him down for zero sacks andrew wiley gets a whole last bottle of vodka and a whole truckload of vodka because he's got time to drink it to chad henney announcing his retirement he's walking away now getting to go off into the distance wearing a couple of rings here he has been so crucial to this team all he does is come in in the divisional round and win teams the game and that's what he did this year. That's what he has done in previous years when he did it against the Browns. Chad Henney is the most reliable backup the Chiefs could have asked for for Patrick Mahomes, has helped him grow as a quarterback, and has been a very close friend of Patrick Mahomes. I'm so glad they got two rings. I'm so glad that he's going out on top. So cheers to Chad Henney for a very long and illustrious career, especially with the Kansas City Chiefs. Who knows if we're here talking about this game without that drive by Chad Henney against the Jaguars? Who knows? I'm very glad that I've seen a game ball go down out multiple times uh, by the chat to Nick Bolton. I don't know if we've we've barely said Nick Bolton's name today, but that oh man goodness. had that man. I mean, we spent a lot of time last oh, night yes, talking about night. it. Yeah. We, we had a lot of time with Bolton last night. 
that man had the game of his life just unbelievable um i you can't ask much more out of him uh i think he he deserves a ton of credit so i think the game ball go into nick bolton very good from the comments that is going to do it for the casey laboratory uh, super bowl championship edition we will have all off season to bask in this we will have all season to talk about how this team can and will achieve back-to-back super bowls cannot wait to be talking with you all thank you everybody make sure you hit the like and subscribe button on the way out we'll catch you later thanks for listening to kc sports network don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well you can find all six of our channels at kcsn covering the chiefs the royals sporting kc and the kc current plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.